This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Talking to people around the NBA, but no one that I talked to was under the impression that when, it was when Ryan Saunders was let go, that they were going to find a head coach reportedly presumably the next day i think the assumption was there would be an interim they're obviously the worst team or one of the worst teams been how you want to stack it joe in the nba it's not like they're fighting for something they bring in a guy they're going to make this this sudden push so it's a very strange situation i think it's fair to speculate that the general manager probably has some pressure on him and these moves sort of happen when you've got some pressure and maybe they're in love reportedly with the assistant coach coming out of toronto who is going to be the next head coach but but again it's it is just a very – the timing is very weird. Yeah, that's uh, that's one way to put it from CBS Sports. This is Mackie and Judd, and ordinarily on Thursdays, we have our weekly scoop session, inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Doogie joins us. Judd, we, uh, we, had, a, we had a committee meeting, a scoop committee meeting last night via text and email. We said we need an emergency session. Hell yeah. <laughs> After that, Sunday night surprise? I think so. So we got our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News and from the Scoop Podcast, part of scorenorth.com's collection. And Doogie, I'll just I'll, I'll throw the ball to you this way. You've been you've been talking to people inside the organization. I actually think and I love Ryan. Uh I it sucks when a really good human I, I think he was put in a bad spot a couple years ago and I think he's going to be a head coach again at some point if he if he goes and works for Spolstra for 5 years or something, but I think this ultimately is the right end point, which is get an experienced, highly credentialed assistant in Chris Finch, a guy that Gerson Rosas has a relationship with, a guy that he really probably wanted two years ago. But it feels so uncomfortable the way that it all went down in the last 12 hours because clearly this was just a done deal behind the scenes while Ryan coached at least a couple of games. So your thoughts on the moves, the timing, and everything. Go. (laughs) It is super unfortunate how everything unfolded. Can you make a case that this move needed to happen? 100%. I've told you guys, going back to last season, it is really rare for a head coach to survive two double-digit losing streaks. Ryan had that last year. Came back as coach this year. 7-24, and the 28th-ranked offense. You can make a case that this move needed to happen. Head-scratching losses, right? The Orlando loss this season. The one in San Antonio, up 16, 10 minutes to go. 
even Friday night. They're up by six late against Toronto. Toronto then finishes the game on an 11 to nothing run. Toronto wins by five. Oh, by the way, with Chris Finch on the bench. In fact, I'm told, guys, Friday was the last straw. That Gerson Rosas has been aiming to do this for a bit. It was Friday. The way that loss unfolded at Target Center against Toronto that put Glenn Taylor over the top. But yeah, was there a ruthlessness to the way this unfolded when they knew late Friday night that they wanted to do this, yet you let Ryan hop on that airplane Saturday to coach last night's game at New York? Yes, that is ruthless. That is shady. But they were also still sealing the deal with Finch. You know, there was a process where they had to reach out to Masai up in Toronto, Bobby Webster up in Toronto, get those balls rolling, that they didn't want to make David Vanterpool or Brian Gates or anyone else the interim coach for a short time. I'm told this morning that they had kicked the tires on the idea of just waiting until the All-Star break, which in hindsight might have made a bit more sense. The All-Star break is in what, two weeks? Just stretch this out. Phil, what about this? That you keep Ryan and keep losing games because you want the best possible chance to keep your draft pick this year. That maybe Chris Finch comes in. Chris Finch is a really good offensive mind. He fixes the offense. I think we're all in agreement that a new head coach wins a couple more games with this roster, maybe even three or four more games to this point. So Chris Finch helps them win a couple extra games. What if that 40% chance ends up going down a bit? Now, they can finish with one of the three worst records and still have a 40% chance, but to me, the rest of this year is about putting yourself in the best possible position to have your draft pick this year. If you have a chance to draft Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or Jonathan Kaminga or the big man from USC, and I get it, there's a 60% chance or more that that won't happen, that you're going to give the pick to the Warriors from the Wiggins-Russell trade. But to me, I could have made a case for keeping Ryan the rest of the year, losing more games, giving yourself the best position to keep your draft pick, then making this move after the season. So can we go back in time now and and go back to the day that Gerson um, took the, the uh, tag off of Ryan and made him the permanent coach, Dukes? And can we all fess up now that that was as much as it was reported by some very credible people that that this is Gerson's call. This is not it's been made clear that that was not his call. And and that I think the one thing that's fair to him, despite the fact that I am with you completely, the timing of this is a bit shady. Uh, I think the one thing that's fair to say is Gerson probably went to Glenn at some point and said, look, the way that this is tracking, I'm going to be fired next. So if I'm going to be fired at least let me get fired with my choice as coach uh because now it's just 1000 percent clear that when ryan kept the job in may of 2019 that that was glenn's call and that was the one call that gerson at that time didn't have because you froze up ever so slightly so hopefully you still have me i think the answer to your question judd is pretty complex Do I think that Glenn wanted Ryan? So let's go back to May 2019. They fire Tom Thibodeau. Tibbs is making, what, $8, $9, $10 million a year. Still had multiple years left on his contract. 
So Glenn had to pay that money. Do I think Glenn wanted to save money, knew that he could get Ryan Saunders to sign a really, really sweetheart deal that Ryan would come in as the lowest paid coach in the NBA? Yeah. Do I think that Glenn wanted to save money May of 2019? I do. I also do think that while Chris Finch was always Gerson's guy, that if Gerson could hire anybody, it was Chris Finch. We talked about that at that time, that that was the buzz, that Chris Finch was his guy. So Chris Finch being the guy now is of zero surprise. I also think, though, that Gerson liked Ryan enough that it didn't take a whole lot of convincing by Glenn that Gerson was super fortunate to finally crack the code to to get one of these jobs that he had interviewed for a number of president of operations jobs was denied. He finally gets this chance that he wanted to be in lockstep enough with the owner that at that time he wasn't going to offer a whole lot of resistance. But is it fair to say that Glenn had a ton to do with Ryan getting the job May of 2019? Yes, Judd, that is incredibly fair. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Glenn, this is now Chris Finch is the tenth coach in fifteen years, going back to the to basically the end of their eight year playoff run. Ten coaches in fifteen years, and just the, again, just a weird botched handoff on this one. We can talk more later about. I just think, I think Ryan was put in a bad, almost certain to fail position to begin with. Now that we sort of look back at the last couple of years, but. You know, Doogie, I know that I know that you you have more conversations with Glenn than maybe anyone in the local Twin Cities media here, and so you might have a, a better understanding of the way that he operates. How can the links be so dialed in for fifteen years? And yeah, and I get it. The answer is because he found Cheryl Reeve. And how can the Timberwolves be the absolute biggest bumbling mess disaster in American professional sports once Donald Sterling got fired for or, or removed as Clippers owner? Explain it to me. It doesn't make any sense. There is luck and circumstance that the links hit rock bottom right at the right time. We're in a position to draft Maya Moore, number one. That, yes, Cheryl Reeve is a rock star. There's also only 12 teams in the WNBA. There are, what, 30 teams in the NBA. So your your competition level is that much deeper in the NBA compared to the WNBA. I'll say this, though, on Glenn. So, yeah. Do I talk to Glenn? Heck, I texted with him last night. I'm hoping to talk to him at some point today. Yes, at 79 years old, Glenn Taylor actually can send a text message. He confirmed the news that Woj, I think, initially initially had, or maybe it was Shams or whoever. It doesn't matter who, who had it first. But it was a month ago that shooter, Charlie Walters, it wasn't me. It was Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press, talked to Glenn for his Sunday column. Glenn is quoted. I'm paraphrasing right now because I don't have the quotes in front of me. But the the gist of it was that it's not fair to judge Ryan when he hasn't had his full complement of players. He only got to coach Cat with Russell and Edwards for five games total. Even when he took over as interim coach, Robert Covington was hurt. Covington missed the rest of that year. They actually weren't even a train wreck the rest of that year. If you go back and look at the record, they weren't good. But it wasn't a train wreck. But he was minus Robert Covington, then their second-best player. So then he gets the job as head coach. The roster last year ends up being blown up. The year shuts down early because of COVID. They're not invited to the bubble. They come back this year, shortened training camp, 
only two preseason games. He's got the youngest roster in the NBA. So, Phil, you're right. He was set up to fail. That being said, you can't have the Spurs loss. You can't have the Orlando loss. You can't have the Sacramento loss a year ago. There were many head-scratching losses. They got down by 20 points or more 11 times this year under Ryan's watch. Only the Cleveland Cavaliers are worse in that regard. They have blown more double-digit leads than any other NBA team this year. So there are reasons. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's supposed to be able to coach offense. You're 28th, right? There are many reasons to make this move. But I still think there's something to be said about the roster being broken, not enough two-way players, not enough tough players. (laughs) There are not many smart players on this roster. Some of that, I think, is the youth, that they are the youngest team. So the smarts will come with, with experience to some extent, although with some guys, maybe not so much, that I'm not big into making Ryan the scapegoat, that the roster is so broken. I was in favor, because Glenn probably needs to sell sooner rather than later, sell to Daniel E. Strauss, who's willing to pay a handsome figure, let Strauss come in and make a decision, this is what I would have done, and make a decision on Gerson and Ryan, that Glenn should have sold the team going back weeks or months. But at this point, it looks like Glenn will be the majority owner for the foreseeable future, and Gerson finally convinced them after that debacle on Friday night. Judd, nothing, bo- nothing boosts your franchise value by, by causing more you chaos in the is? middle of a season. He is our Brett Favre. <laughs> he is our Brett. He promises to retire once every three years, and then it's like, I guess that changed my mind. Um, most important question, I, I think, arguably of this entire thing, Darren, is this. Because it could be another strike against this team. How is this going to be taken by Cat? Because no, no matter how much he might be at fault too, and he is okay. So, so I am not absolving him, folks. But I'm saying 2021 star player. It matters what they think. Do we think that he was uh, consulted in in any way, shape, or form? And how do you think he takes this? I'm still working on whether he was consulted. On whether you should be worried that the star player might be upset, I actually, I wouldn't worry about that. Like, I think about Milwaukee a few years ago when Giannis really wanted Jason Kidd as the coach. Didn't work out. Budenholzer comes in. Giannis still ends up signing the extension. I think it's fair to say, and we've talked about this, but I'll reiterate it now, that D'Angelo Russell and Ryan Saunders did not see eye to eye, that Ryan thoroughly enjoyed coaching this group more with D'Angelo Russell out, that they just could never, to use the cliche, get on the same page. Cat and Russell, as far as I know, are still pretty darn close. Maybe the totality of that relationship has been overstated, but they still have a close enough relationship where I think Russell was telling Cat some stuff about Ryan. I think Cat saw the results too. Even with Cat back in the lineup, what, eight games back, one and seven? You know, the way they lost on Friday, you know, having a chance to to win the Lakers game or or win the Clippers game or even win the, the game in Charlotte. Win last night. They missed their final seven shots. I don't think Ryan was the issue last night. They had a chance to win that game after making the really good comeback. But I think Cat looks at it and says, okay, maybe a new coach comes in and can lift us. Then maybe this roster is better than... 7-24. and 24. So 
I'm just telling you, Judd, from that particular, you know, talking point, if you're a Wolves fan, I wouldn't overly worry about how Cat feels right now. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, I don't know if this really means anything, but over the last 10 years, one thing that's just sort of bothered me about the Wolves coaching search process is that it's it's, it's very basic. Going back to Kurt Rambis, and Kurt Rambis was, was the first one, if you go all the way back, that doesn't fall into one of these two categories. Established toward the either established coach that is on like his second, third, or fourth stop that you're hoping can come in here and and just fix the organization, Rick Adelman, Tom Thibodeau, uh, or a Saunders in either Flip or Ryan, or something provincial like Sam Mitchell. Uh, Sam Mitchell wasn't like an up-and-coming assistant. He was former head guy in Toronto. They've never really been overly creative with finding the next potential superstar. Who's the associate head coach? that could come in here, get his chance. He's been grinding it on the bench for 20 years. And so from that standpoint, I do like the Chris Finch hire because it's like the most creative hire they've had in at least a decade. Well, I mean, I think it looks like, you know, what Miami did way back when with Eric Spolstra or what Toronto did with Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse and Chris Finch are like this. They are the best of friends. They competed against each other going back many years when each was a coach in the British basketball basketball league they've known each other for a really long time that a lot of people in league circles consider finch a nick nurse disciple you look at what nick nurse did winning a championship two seasons ago i think it's it's pretty much a consensus nick nurse is a top five to top seven coach in the league right now toronto's head coach nick nurse so from that standpoint yeah i think it was time for chris finch to to get an opportunity him and gerson coached together in the g league in rio grande they were together in the Rockets organization for all those years. In fact, I'm told this morning that that Gerson tried to hire Finch for the Wolf staff this season. So before he took the Toronto job, so he ends up leaving New Orleans. I don't know if his contract was up or Stan Van Gundy wanted his own staff, but but Finch had worked in New Orleans the last couple of years. He ends up getting freed from New Orleans, so he's out there as a coaching free agent in the offseason that the Wolves had interest in bringing Finch in then as some sort of assistant coach, not firing Ryan, making him the head coach then, but that you would have had your your next head coach in place. And I don't know the exact inner workings of why that didn't happen. I do know that Nick Nurse and Finch are tight, so maybe Finch said, hey, I can still get that Wolves job eventually, and let me go work for my guy up in Toronto, you know, one of my best friends. But, yeah, I think there's something to be said about that, Phil. Now, I still think when they hired Tom Thibodeau, that was celebrated universally. Like, I don't remember anybody the day of the Tibbs hiring saying, what the heck is this franchise doing? There were some people who wondered about giving him full control, but the idea of hiring Tom Thibodeau, even if he had been a little bit recycled, I just think, Phil, at that time, a lot of people really celebrated that move. And you know how I feel about Sam. I mean, he was the coach of the year up in Toronto years ago. The one year he coaches here, they go from 16 wins to 29 wins. He's the one who first thought that it made sense to put Zach Levine on the ball. Look at Zach Levine in Chicago right now on the ball. He's an all-star. Zach Levine has turned into an unbelievable player. Sam Mitchell saw that really early, that you could have easily just made Sam Mitchell the head coach after his really good year as interim coach. But I understand, I do, Phil, I understand what what you're getting at. What's next for uh, him, Saunders, Doogie? What's next for Ryan Saunders? Yeah, well, his his wife is due any day with with their second child. 
you know, so, so that's the focus, you know, with, with, you know, the immediate future, but he's friends with Spolstra. He's friends with JB Bickerstaff. He's friends with Doc Rivers. You know, he's friends with Tom Izzo. If he wanted to go the college route, heck, if the Gophers cut the cord on Richard Pitino, would you consider Ryan Saunders as a replacement? Put it this way, whether it's as a head coach or more likely an assistant coach, Ryan Saunders will coach somewhere next year. He's about to turn 35. I think we finally, I think we finally broke Doogie's Might internet. Hold on, let's nope. let's let's just put him. Uh, he's, he's bouncing around somewhere. Uh, you can I'm, hear him bouncing around in the ether. I'm gonna throw him. I don't know if you can just throw him down there. Yeah. All right, we'll check his internet. Um, I well, let's ask him at least one or two more questions. The the Gophers thing, that's kind of interesting. That would be interesting. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I think he needs an assistant job somewhere. Yeah. NBA assistant job. Go work for Eric Spolster. Yeah, I mean he could be, be very awesome. good still. Yeah. He's what thirty five. Thirty four. He's mm-hmm. a kid. Yeah, and and here so, let's. Is Doogie still frozen? There still looks frozen, looks yeah. like he is. Okay, that might be the end of <laughs> here we go. the scoop set. Oh, he Hold might on. be back. Hold um, on. I have a thought on. Back. There he is. I, I have a thought. I, I apologize, to... gentlemen. I'm sorry. I've been doing a couple radio interviews this morning. I'm actually in the building, but I'm on the TV side. I should have just walked over. But as you can imagine, the phone's been blowing up a little bit. Sincere apologies. The internet connection. You're popular guy. Yeah, popular guy, Dukes. Don't apologize, Everybody Doogie. Scoop. Everybody wants a scoop. Doogie, give us real quick because I know you're busy and and we're going to get on to statements here in a little bit. Um, give us just your your what is the biggest takeaway? There's there's so many different topics here, right? There's there's Glenn Taylor going through his tenth coach in 15 years as an owner. There's Ryan Saunders getting done a little dirty here, right? Then there's then there's Gerson getting his guy. What do you think is the absolute top-level takeaway from the last 12 hours of Timberwolves basketball? I mean, it's subjective, but if you're asking me my personal opinion, it's when they suggest they're a family, kumbaya, we're in this together, BS. They're not any different than any other NBA (laughs) franchise or professional sports franchise, for that matter. But if you ever hear them talking about family again, go back to the Ryan Saunders introductory news conference, May of 2019, and listen to that garbage. So this family talk. Speaking of, all right, Doogie's part of our family, but the internet, we do not claim the internet. The internet's out with us. We'll say goodbye to Doogie. Bye, Doogie. Good Uh, stuff. Great stuff until the last couple minutes internet crapped out there. And just a a quick shout out, too, because uh, Doogie's appearances are regularly powered by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. uh, And Federated has been helping business owners. I don't know. I don't know if they can help the business that we're talking about right now of Finding the right coach, but they can probably help your business. You can find a full list of all the industries that Federated protects. And they also recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. As a business owner, just think about how helpful it would be for you to have employee training at your fingertips, industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. And that is where Federated and MyShield come in with trusted resources, peace of mind, and risk management. Federatedinsurance.com. Just click on MyShield or download the app. And uh, remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Um, what was what was your main takeaway from everything that Doogie just laid on the table there? Some interesting information. I think it pretty much stays the same as it's been uh, since I found out about this, which is the firing was going to take place at some point in time. Uh, but once again, this is this all comes back to one common thread. For me, and it's the common thread that that permeates through the history of much of Timberwolves basketball. 
Uh, Glenn's timing is almost always terrible, and his inability to get out of his own way, his inability to to weigh this very important question, which I believe is one key reason why the Wolves have been so bad for so long, which is, do I want to own the team and allow people to run it, or do I want to own the team and constantly dip my toe in the waters when it matters um, so I've got people that day-to-day run the team, but then when there's key times, and I'm a big fan, I'd like to make decisions too. And I really think that that always comes back. Look, if Gerson Rosas, if you hired Gerson Rosas, okay, May 1st of 2019, and at that point in time, you know, Ryan took over for Tibbs, did a nice job. But when you hire him, Gerson undoubtedly came in and interviewed with you initially, Phil, with a list of candidates that he would hire as coach. There's no that's part of the procedure, right? Yeah. Guys like Gerson have they keep lists and that's awesome. He's been thinking about this for probably yes. ten years. If yeah. I ever get the job, my coach is this. And and to go back to that time period and think that Glenn didn't say, you know what, I trust you. Bring your guy in. And instead he's like, I really trust you and I like you and I want you to overhaul the roster, but keep the coach. That's never a good plan. Ch- like, what are the we chances? We talked about this before. What are the chances that Ryan was even on that list for Gerson zero, when he arrived? Zero. It doesn't mean he's not a nice guy, and it doesn't mean that Gerson and and Ryan did not click. I'm sure they might have, but there is no way that on in his drawer in Houston, Texas, right? That Ryan Saunders somehow magically had appeared of, oh, this is choice six yeah. for me. The the thing that stood out the most is when Doogie started, because I, I remember him reporting on this two, three years ago, whenever the the Tibbs got fired, what, three years ago? December of 19. Okay, so two plus years ago. And part of the discussion was, well, hey, I mean, like, it would be great if it worked out with Ryan. And, you know, one of the side benefits is he's pretty much the cheapest coach in the NBA. And so... While you're eating the Tom Thibodeau money, at least you can sort of like have Ryan over here making, you know, chump change for an NBA head coach. Right. And the like the fact that that's even first of all, the only reason why you would feel the pressure to bring in a cheap coach is because you whiffed on giving Tom Thibodeau full control of the entire organization to begin with. So you don't get credit for trying to like solve a puzzle that you created for yourself in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that that's one of the things that that bothers me about this discussion. Um, and then the fact that in a league where every franchise, including the lowly Timberwolves is worth a billion and a half dollars that we're talking about. Well, I guess we could go after a highly coveted associate head coach that is going to get his opportunity somewhere for four or $5 million a year. But if Ryan, I'm just, I don't know how much, if, but if Ryan makes a million and a half, we could save a couple bucks, right? What are you trying to do here? And I, you know, and I mentally gave it the old college try with Ryan. Okay, he's a positive dude. He's super sharp. Um, he's a film junkie going back to when he was a graduate assistant. Yeah, actually, I don't know if he was a graduate assistant with. I think he jumped right into the Wizards film room, basically, right when he was done playing uh, basketball here. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, he got a little bit unlucky with some of the injuries. Cat and D'Lo very clearly like needed to play together to really see this vision out. But he was also just at least five years too early getting hired for this job. What's he going to do? He's not going to say no. Wait, you're going to give me, you're going to give me life changing money to coach the franchise that my dad helped put on the map. What a great potential story, right? 
They put him in that position, and it blew up in their faces. And here we are. But, I mean, you hired a president of basketball ops and then basically said, there's only one job that I really want to – I want a big say here. It's the head coach. And, by the way, I'm saddling you with a 32 at the time, I believe, year-old kid, which is not fair to anybody. Gerson, Ryan, Glenn. But, Phil, this always comes back. I mean, think about the involvement of Glenn here. Think about what Duke said. Now Glenn's like, I was going to sell the team, but I'm not – What? You know, it's always Glenn at the last second either chiming in or he's going to sell. I I think he's been on the precipice of selling two or three times. And every time it comes back to, you know what, I'm not going to. I think I might be making this up, but I'm pretty sure when Tom Thibodeau was talking to the Bulls about that Jimmy Butler trade, I'm pretty sure there were some reports or rumblings that Wiggins was the guy that Tom Thibodeau wanted to send over, that that he saw some dog in Zach Levine. We floated that too. I remember on this show we posed yeah, that we, question. It was like, "You guys are nuts." We definitely talked about it. Yeah. Um, and that and that Glenn was like, "There's no way we can trade Andy Wiggins. We can't trade." I I'm eighty percent sure. Yeah, because he's going to look me in the eye, and I'm going to give him a max contract, <laughs> and it's going to work out perfectly for the Golden State Warriors. So stop meddling. If Gerson Rosas two years ago, if you've trusted him to run the basketball ops, then you trust him to hire who he wants as coach. And if you threw Ryan Saunders' name in there two years ago as, well, we, what, what if we gave this guy a shot? Shame on you, dude. I mean, that's like the 15th thing on the list of things the shame that he's on you done. List. <laughs> yeah, it's shame, way down shame there. Shame on but. you list is huge. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. So, All right, we got to get to some Mackie and Judd statements here, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of Timberwolves meat on the bone as well. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. They yeah. live in the sewer. Yes, yeah. they do. Yes. And enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> they relish in yeah. it. Mackie and Judd. And the way they walk with their back end up in the air, that's yeah. just plain evil. <laughs> yeah. It's just gross. Golf USA! Golf USA's golf show sale is going on right now. 10,000 golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. Used equipment 50% off. Golf USA has brought their amazing golf show deals back to the store for the biggest sale of the year. Inventory is limited, so get in early for the best selection. Over 10,000 golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. All used equipment 50% off. Don't miss out. Head out right now to Golf USA's golf show sale. Golf USA in Eden Prairie at the corner of Prairie Center and Flying Cloud Drive. I just don't get it. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe there's more to this story, and and, I, and I'm a big Gerson fan, so, but I'm just confused by this, man. Like, to me, it just would seem like a no-brainer, and, you know, what what do you have to lose to give him a chance? I just, I'm, I'm pretty stunned that that's not a no-brainer that he gets this opportunity, and I, I don't know if he resigns, but I actually think he should. If you want to build a legacy, we got to win, and we got to win, and I want to build my legacy here, so I want to win with the Wolves, and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to keep step-by-step, brick-by-brick building something in a culture here that's going to stand here for a long time. Interesting stuff. Uh, who was the, the first clip was Marcus Spears. Yeah, he was actually right? talking about to uh, David Vanterpool being passed up in that opportunity. Yeah. That's what that clip was talking about. And that, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note because I'd like to bring that up in statements here as well. But let's, let's get into it here. Uh, powered by our friends at Whamatech. It's Mackie and Judd's statements from the weekend. A lot of things Wolves-related, I'm guessing here, gentlemen. But Whamatech, if you are listening to us or watching us on a broken-down phone, a broken-down tablet, a cracked laptop, maybe it's time for you to break down and get a new one. You don't have to break the bank, though. Whamatech can help you out as a trusted supplier of pre-owned cell phones, tablets, and laptops, and new accessories. Wholesale prices also available when you purchase 10 or more devices. Buy, sell, trade in, whatever you need. Whamatech.com. That's W-A-M-A-T-E-K. 
Com. All right, statement number one here, boys. I'm just going to read that cat quote again that you just played. All right, I just want you to listen to the words here. This now he said this, I think before he knew that Ryan was getting let go. I'm not 100 percent sure. Probably, that's probably a safe assumption. But I'm going to read you this statement and then I, this uh, this comment. Then I have a statement. If you want to build a legacy, we got to win. I want to build my legacy here. I want to win with the Wolves and going to do everything I possibly can to step-by-step, brick-by-brick, build something and a culture here that's going to stand for a long time. All right? My statement is, I honestly don't think it's going to be a problem for him that Ryan Saunders was let go. I know a lot of the narrative throughout the past couple years is him and Ryan have a great connection. I think they still do. D'Lo and Cat are friends, and so the Wolves are trying to do everything they can to please the star player, right? Bring in his best friend, bring in the Cat and player-friendly coach in Ryan Saunders. But at the end of the day, those two things have led the Wolves to the worst record in the NBA. Now, he hasn't really played with D'Lo, and so um, would they be at least a couple games better with D'Lo? Probably. Would they be a playoff team? No. I genuinely believe that Cat's priority list starts with wanting to win. Now, is he as hyper-obsessed with winning as a Jimmy Butler or a Kobe Bryant. I don't think he has that sort of animal inside of him and that chip, but I don't, for anyone saying, Oh my God, how's, how's cat going to react now that they're bringing in some other coach? Is he going to want to leave? Well, was the Ryan Saunders cat pairing fruitful to begin with? I think he wants to win my two cents. I think he wants to win. Uh, and I think in a vacuum, the firing itself wouldn't, uh, wouldn't push him towards, potentially trying to get out, but everything that goes wrong is a strike. And as long as Glenn owns this team and the accumulation of strikes, that's my concern. So it's not like the one thing and, oh, my God, that's it. It's more of a person with common sense can take a step back here and be like, I'm working for a company that really isn't very good. And, like, there's a lot of good companies that I could play for, right? Like, I could go and be a CEO with a team and play an important role, and those teams are they always win. Why doesn't my team win? The real the, the answer to Cat's question, I think, Phil, is very simple. You can't get what you want from that statement until Glenn's gone. Until Glenn doesn't own the team. I think it's I, I really do. Like what what do we have to base a conversation on of this is going to change it for sure? Mm-hmm. I mean, any anything what? anything good that eventually happens to this organization and anything good that has ever happened to it is in spite of Glenn Taylor. There's statement number two for you. It's in spite of Glenn Taylor. Certainly in the last he, 20 years. He is a straight-up, terrible professional sports owner. Uh-huh. And the fact that they're on their 10th coach in 15 years in Chris Finch is under his setting of a culture organizationally. Now... On the link side, he hired Cheryl Reeve. I don't know how they identified Cheryl Reeve so amazingly correctly, but Cheryl Reeve is uh, one of the great women's basketball coaches and executives in history. So if he can find, if Gerson is his Cheryl Reeve, if he can find his Cheryl Reeve, then he can just take a step back or sell the team or whatever. But if that happens, it's luck. It's not like he's a shark tank Mark Cuban who knows exactly what he's looking for. That ain't it. Let me ask you a very important question. If Glenn Taylor felt about the Wolves like I'm guessing he does, the Lynx, which is really good team, but you know what? 
I'll watch the games and stuff, but I'm not all in constantly. Just CC or I'm me not on all... some emails. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I think what Glenn does is I think Glenn allows Cheryl and the Lynx people to do their thing. Like if Glenn would ever, if Glenn would have just told Gerson on May 1st, 2019, hey, dude, go to it. I'll be at games and that's it. I really think what this is is he can't help himself. Um, statement one from me is a statement that I am going to speak directly to Chris Finch. Run! Chris, what are you doing? Chris, what are you Get doing? Out of the house. Chris, no, the call's coming from inside Target Center. Get out! Get out! No, a statement one is a player personnel statement. Ricky Rubio is not a winning player. Don't worry about him. He's not. He had, okay, so this drove me nuts last night, and and it's happened of late because he's not being guarded, so his shooting is actually at times okay, right? But what is the thing now? Ricky gets off to a halfway decent start with with that Zolgadian shot. You know, it's got nothing to it. And then he gets confidence. And so when he did it again last night, fourth quarter, late, right? Like you got up a you got to get up a very important shot, but because the Knicks don't care about him, he, even though he had a good game, he takes the shot and it's a flat terrible shot. Ricky Rubio, God bless him, I'm sure he's a great guy, is not a winning player for what you want to do. Don't worry about playing him. Basically, chuck that up to Ryan liked him. They brought him back, but my God, that dude should not be playing at the end of games. And you could also argue, too, that in terms of, like, reasons why Ryan got fired midseason, Ricky Rubio's terrible start to the season. I mean, Ricky Rubio is having one of the worst years of his career. Yeah. The Ricky Rubio playing terribly is what led to probably three or four extra losses. And, and the pairing between Rubio and D'Lo, especially at the end of games, it's just it's one of their worst statistical pairings. And they just kept hammering it. And he's always in now at the end of games. And Phil, he's terrible. Like, what's he doing? Yeah, I'm not going to go. McLaughlin's better. I'm not going to go. I agree with that. Like, he's a better point guard at the end of games. Yep, and I'm not going to go as far as saying that. I think Rubio has been a winning player when put in the right situations outside of the Timberwolves. Okay, but that's all I care about. Uh, But he's very much a complimentary player, and the the Wolves pieces just don't really fit that well together. And my guy, Ant Edwards, ever since the Ode to Ant Edwards episode last week, (laughs) he's basically shot 3 of 14 in every single game. So. But he had one of the most ridiculous post-rising dunks in NBA history. The dunk on Friday was fantastic. All right, Declan, your first statement. (laughs) All right, first statement from me. Uh It's Ryan Saunders didn't deserve this, and Minnesota Timberwolves are bad at breakups. So (laughs) here's the thing. Like, Saunders, this is his dream job. His dad coached here. We all were rooting for him. He's an awesome human being. I thought when he came on our show the day after the whole George Floyd situation that was unfolding in Minneapolis was one of the most insightful perspectives that we had on it from an NBA head coach, by the way, not someone uh, that was plugged in the situation, but someone who just has empathy and appreciation for that. And he's been through a lot in his life. And the Timberwolves at the same time gave him a putrid roster. Luck was against him with D'Lo and Cat injuries. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves on the side are basically not calling up a side chick. They're calling up the next girlfriend, not a side chick, the next girlfriend, not an interim. Not an interim to Girl, kind of keep dude, you warm no. at night. Girlfriend, wife. It's a dude. wife, dude. Yeah, it's a wife. It's a wife. This is a planned he marriage. They got married. They got yes. So secretly, so Chris Finch was in town on Friday night. You guaranteed <laughs> where, he signed paperwork where did he on stay? Friday night. Where, where, where did he stay? With Gerson. <laughs> hey, Chris. Yup. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, poor Ryan Saunders then still has to take all the kids for the weekend only to come home and say, hey, honey, I'm out. And by the way, here's your papers. And by the way, the wedding's next week. Like it, the whole situation was a complete, utter disaster by the Wolves. I know some people look when that graphic came out last night, the which was more cartoony than I think it was professional. The timing of the graphic was not what I had the issue with. It was the taste of the graphic that I could not understand. Yeah. So the whole thing was just an absolute mess by the wolves. Like they had, so they had the graphic ready to rock. They had a press release announcing the new coach scheduled for 9 a.m. the next morning. I mean, it's one thing when you just get broken up with, right? Hey, this isn't working. It's not us. It's you <laughs> is what it was. Um, and that, that definitely sucks. And then when you find out, Oh, they're announcing my replacement in a public press conference tomorrow, and he probably signed his contract when his team was here beating my team on Friday night. Yeah, but besides that, it's all (laughs) hunky-dory with the Timberwolves. Also, Doogie brought up in the scoop session that, hey, listen, they're not totally classless. They did send a private jet to pick Ryan up in New York and to bring him back, right? Was he alone? Was, did, did Ryan like get his itinerary after the game? Hey, the team's going to be chartering over here. Your plane is sitting over there, uh, just you're, about a hundred feet away. You're taking Jersey, dude. Don't worry, we got some Delta Comfort for you. I'll get some snacks on the way home. Everything will be great. No, they, private jet? Do you know? Do you know how much that costs to send a private jet? That's private expensive. Was he yeah. sitting, fuel? Was he just sitting there alone on a private uh, jet? They had to send. I somebody. would rather be alone though. I, I wouldn't want anyone somebody. with me if I was him. You just, want, just you I, and the pilot. I want me and my thoughts and the pilot and a bottle of booze and just please don't worry about me swearing up and down a storm this next two and a half hour flight. As Duke said, though, why wouldn't you have waited till the All-Star break? Like, you could have done this yep. easily at the All-Star break. I mean, okay, what are you going to win? Two games between now? Oh, I, we got nine wins. And, and you could even argue that it's not beneficial for you to win a bunch of games now that if you're going to go and win games this year, then you should have just you should have just brought the coach that you wanted in to start the season yes. and make a run for it. Yes. And now that you're trying to cling to so the the highest percentage chance that you can possibly have to keep your pick is if you land the first, second or third lottery spot, you'd have a 60 percent chance of losing it, 40 percent chance of keeping it. Um, and so, you know. Like, could you have the fifth worst? Could you win a bunch of games and have the fifth or sixth worst record and then still get one of the top three picks? Yes. But in terms of probability, the season's already lost. You want to win as many games, you want to win as few games as possible. But on the flip side, you don't just want to go into another lost cat. Like, if, if you can, this would be the best case scenario. If you can show some hope down the stretch, but not win too many games, is there a line where, like, you still get the highest percentage chance to keep your pick. I know what you're saying. And people feel great about no. what the new coach did down the stretch no. with Cat and Beasley you, and Edwards. Are you kidding me? It's that's, the Timberwolves. You really think their luck's going to change that much? No. I'm not saying I think it's going to change. I'm saying that's the hope. The hope <laughs> well, the is that. Ho- you, you know what? That's the problem. Statement two from me. That's the hope with Glenn. That's the thing. Glenn Taylor. You know what? Everything he does is based on hope. On hope. I hope that, that a search firm has found me the right guy in Tibbs. Yeah. I hope that Gerson and Ryan can can do really well together. I hope D'Angelo Russell is good. I'm not quite sure. I hope, I hope. It's always done on hope. Like, there's never any... And, and look, I get it. Every move in life has some hope. But... There's never any like sports slash business savvy behind anything. Yeah, he doesn't know like what you, he's doing. Like he you, doesn't know what he's doing. You had to find a search firm to get Tibbs. Think about that for a second. Like as a coach, Tibbs was the biggest name. 
It wasn't even close, right? Yeah. And, and so you you had to go get a search firm to tell you that? That's nuts. You know, yeah. you wasted. You probably paid 200 grand for a search yes. firm to tell him Tom Thibodeau's available. Exactly. But that's my point. Cool. Everything. What's he, his email? Everything he does, yeah. Do you have a cell phone? You got a number on that? Do you have a cell phone? <laughs> you up? You up, Tibbs? Who's this? LinkedIn? Who, who's this? That's Glenn Taylor. Anyway, everything he does is based on hope. I hope this works. It's it's true, and and again, like I I think, I mean, Gerson's taken a ton of heat. This this situation was definitely very callously managed. Listen, if they win games, and if Gerson, after two years, finally got the guy that he's wanted all along to to lead his vision, then no one's really going to remember. Oh, the way that it went down, we're we're all going to forget about that to some extent. Um, but. I don't know. I just think if if Gerson Rosas is the right guy, it's not because Glenn, with his own expertise and knowledge and savvy in a room, right? It would be a, it would just be that he sort of luck boxed his way into hiring the right guy. For the I first hope time. David Kahn works out really well. David Stern told me he'll be a great hire. <laughs> I really hope this works. Kurt Rambis. Oh, I saw him wear goggles and short shorts. In the late 80s when he I was aspiring to buy an up. NBA team. I hope great. he's as tough as a coach as he was on the floor. Uh, all right, next statement here, okay? Speaking of hope, okay? Because the hope here is that Chris Finch comes in. I believe he's 50 or 51 years old. 51. Gerson knows him from a couple different stops, but he uh, he spent five or six years in Houston. And, and some people are going to say, well, Toronto, I don't know. What's, you know, the Nick Nurse connection is one thing. But what, what people who have followed Chris Finch's career really point to is in Denver. He was only in Denver for a little while, but he was apparently a huge part of the Jokic and Jamal Murray tandem. You got a a, a ball-centric, dominant sort of combo guard um, and a versatile outside-shooting seven-footer. Sound familiar? That's the type of thing. And so he was, he was, I guess, integral to sparking the offensive juggernaut that the Nuggets became. And that would be the hope here. The hope is that he can come in and take a team that's 28th in offensive efficiency, get them to be more efficient, and really find the pieces and the combinations that work the best in today's NBA. And maximize, most specifically, Towns, Beasley, Edwards, and D'Lo, whenever D'Lo comes back from the knee surgery. So that's the hope, that you can you can look at what Denver's done the last few years uh, yeah. and, and yeah. see some flashes of, of the Timberwolves looking like that. Declan? I have a wild statement. Or do we have do we have Timberwolf statements that we want to still get to before I get into the wild one on air production meeting? I've got one. Go for it. Go I've got one. I might have one more. Yeah, too go for it. I yeah, have yeah. one. I have one roll more. Out. Oh, roll them out again. Your shows. Statement three. My second one, in which I am appealing to Chris Finch in the airplane as you are are now podcasting this show. Okay. <clears throat> now I wrote this statement after last night's game before this Saunders news uh, came out, but it's very applicable to why Ryan got fired, and it's very applicable to where this offense needs to go. Malik Beasley having fewer three-point attempts than three of the Wolves' other starters last night makes zero sense. Malik Beasley last night for the entire game did not take his first three-point shot until 740 was left in the second quarter. But I believe at that point, Ricky had three uh, he finished two of four. And don't tell me, well, the Knicks are shutting him down. You know what? Find a way to get him three-point shots. He is on this team because when he gets hot and takes threes, do you know what he does a lot? Hmm, hold on a second here. I'm going to think about this for Chris Finch, my good friend now. Oh, he makes them. Okay? So that note is from before Ryan got fired. But honest to God, 
go and look at that box score last night and tell me that in your head you can get right with the fact that Malik Beasley had fewer three-point attempts than Ricky Rubio. Yeah, it also it also feels like late in games, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, there's been, I can remember a couple of D-Lo, or the game is in the balance, or the Wolves need a shot to take the lead or tie or whatever, and it'll be D-Lo hero ball, or a few yeah. games ago it was Ant Edwards hero ball, Yeah, you know, from the top of the key. And now is Ryan, or was, was Ryan drawing up a play with some action that was supposed to, kick a pass out to Malik Beasley in the corner, like bang, bang, tic-tac-toe, wide open, and the players are just, like, ignoring the set? Well, then that's or a problem, Or is he too. drawing up hero ball? Like, why are, <laughs> why are, why is Beasley not getting more looks in those situations? Why is he disappearing while Rubio and D'Lo just dribble the air out of the ball, right? Yes. So, yeah. Um, boy, I feel like there's more to say on this, but I, I think we just covered a lot between Doogie and, uh, in between give the first few minutes of statements. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let me give you the David Vanderpool one, okay? Okay. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend to, like, so Damian Lillard last night, he <laughs> takes to Twitter, and he just savaged the Timberwolves for not just promoting David Vanderpool to the to the head coach job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Dame Lillard tweeted, how the hell do you not hire David Vanderpool? He's right there on the bench. He's been in front of... Uh, he has he has been in front office successfully on the front of a bench of a winning team successfully for seven years, and also has played a major role in the development of a dominant backcourt. Shake my damn head. Um, so I agree that David Vanterpool. It sounds like just based on what people around the league say, if you got a superstar in the league that buys into him that much, then clearly like he should get a shot with some team that has a superstar. If he can get superstars to buy in like that, I think that speaks volumes. I think two things, though. One, Chris Finch was the guy that Gerson wanted two years ago and probably has wanted for eight to ten years on his list. Vanderpool might also have been on that list, and part of the reason why they wanted to bring him over as sort of the defensive mind and a guy who's been in the league a little bit longer than Ryan. Um, And so it's not that he wasn't on the list, but is it possible that just watching the way that this team underperformed regularly, late in games, defensively, when your defensive mastermind is, you know, tied to these ridiculously terrible defensive numbers. Did that play a role in it? So um, did he get screwed? I don't know. I think he, I think he's going to get a job at some point. I see why Gerson went out and hired the guy that he felt the most comfortable with. If he yeah. thought, my record is this bad after two years, my next hire has to be the one that I trust the most. I'm not 100% sold on Vanderpool, but I am 100% sold on Chris Finch, and that's the logic. So I guess I guess my statement here is, I see why Gerson chose Finch over Vanterpool, and Vanterpool will get a head job at some point based largely off of what guys like Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are saying about it. No, that's incredibly fair. And and the thing, too, is you're right. If Gerson, if Gerson's second choice had, had been, well, we've got this guy and we really like him and let's give him a chance. No, this is it. Like, this is now, and it should be, this is now the pressure is on Gerson, right? And this is his baby, it's his coach, it's his team. So if I'm him, my second chance, which is probably my last one, because like if this continues to slide, I don't trust Glenn. I mean, Glenn very well could say, uh, not only am I not going to sell the team, I've got another search firm coming in, and Gerson Rosas, you're fired now. Um, so yeah, this definitely was a case where you had to get the guy that Gerson 1,000% wanted not the guy that, well, you know, he's good, too, and and your uh, 
statement about the defense is exactly right. Yeah. It's not like it's like, well, the defense, look at how well they played that they have not. Yeah, also, like, just one more thing on this. You know, it's not like Gerson is an open-minded, curious front office executive, very analytically forward, right? Clearly loved David Vanterpool when they brought him in to be an assistant coach and has probably spent a lot of time around David Vanterpool. And so maybe Gerson, after spending a lot of time around Vanderpool, watching the team's defense, decided, all right, well, maybe I'm not quite as high on him as I was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But then again, it doesn't it doesn't have to speak poorly. It can just mean that Chris Finch is the guy that I go to bed thinking about every single night. And I want him to be my basketball wife. Friday night I saw him. And David Vanderpool is great. And I'd love to stay in touch, and I hope that he finds the basketball love of his life as well. Let's get a Christmas card ready for the Vanderpools, honey, because they ain't going to be here. All right. Got that out of our system. All right, Dex, fire away. All right, my first uh, non-Timberwolves statement here. The Minnesota Wild have found their Batman and Robin, but they need their Alfred. So what I mean by that, for the nerds in the room, if you are, or the the non-nerds in the room, Batman and Robin, in this metaphor, are Kevin Fiala and Kirill Kaprizov. They have the muscle. They have... They have those two guys who are fighting the crime. Is Fiala always going to be the Batman? Uh, I would say Krill is probably more the Robin, right? I would, that's what that would be the hope. That would be the hope that Krill Kaprizov is yeah, more the could. Batman. They could switch too. But you could, yeah, if you want to just try, try to the other tights, like I don't care. Like whoever wants to be Batman I'd or Robin, him. I'd wash them first. I, I, but make sure you wash your pan. Hockey players are disgusting, but they need <laughs> their Robin. They need or excuse me, they need their Alfred. So Alfred hmm. is the brains behind the entire organization of Batman and Robin. I.e., they need the center. Because Batman and Robin can only do so much night in and night out. Fiala over the weekend against a lowly Ducks team. I know Judd watched that Ducks game on Saturday. I saw the highlights on Sunday. The Ducks are not a very good hockey team. But Fiala lit them up like four or five points over the last two games for him. He's having a career year. He's having uh, the the exact season he was supposed to have last year over the over the over the full season. Kaprizov is everything the Wild thought they'd be. He's literally playing an ifto de facto center. Uh, but right now, if you can get them the center that they need, you get an Alfred. You get the brains and the operation there. It's going to make them take the next step. So the Minnesota Wild, they have their Batman and Robin. They're just looking for an Alfred. I like the superhero. Thank you. Analogy there. Thank you. I'm here for it. All right. Here's here's my next one. Jed's never seen a Batman movie though. No. Uh, no. But I, I used to read the cartoon. The cartoon I did. I don't remember the the animated you're series about, is, uh, though, on Alfred. HBO right now. I'd no thanks. It. No. Dex, have you ever that. watched the old ones with Adam West and oh, Bill yeah. Ward, where they're oh, climbing yeah. up buildings? Bang! Yeah. Boom! Those the ones great, are hilarious. No, those were good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my next one is a basketball one, uh, but it's not. Um, it does not go directly to what transpired last night as far as the firing goes. It actually goes to the game. And I, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the game on Fox Sports North or not, but hearing Tibbs bellow at the top of his lungs <laughs> in the second half as the Knicks play defense, it did my heart good. The only <laughs> thing that I wanted was at least one Carl. But hearing that, so, so the, the Knicks were on defense against the Wolves in the second half in front of Tibbs. And when you're on defense in front of Tibbs, he basically is trying to run the defense and damn near play it. So we got it again, which was the the guttural, oh, it switched! It was and, then just his, great. and then his right hand is I just mi- twitching out of his suit jacket. I missed it. I missed it so much. And then did you see when the game was on the line late and Cat had that little like bunny hook from the yeah, baseline? Yeah, it was a good and, shot. Yeah. And you see who was guarding him, Taj Gibson. Oh, yeah. Oh, Taj, of course. Is, Taj is still Taj, man. <laughs> Taj is still Taj. You know, I feel like Taj's game has aged like a fine wine, man. He's just, the game has gone more three, like he's just six foot nine. He's going to put a hand in your face. I think he's super smart. Baseline jumpers. I I think he knows exactly what his skill set is. Yeah. So he just keeps it. 
and it still translates in that way. Yeah. But but hearing Tibbs with a bellowing was just outstanding. Yeah. I actually missed it, sort of. All right, my uh, my next statement, piggybacking off yours, kind of miss Tom Thibodeau as a coach. Oh wow, kind of kind of kind of miss him a little bit well, as a coach, but not as a pole ball. No, I'm good with him. I don't, I, I don't want him running the whole organization. Uh, but if you go look at the Wolves' coaching records the last 10, 15 years, Tom Thibodeau, him and Flip Saunders are the only ones that have given you credible basketball. So, yeah, as a coach, while I think he was a disaster running the whole franchise, which is Glenn's fault, right? A hundred percent. Glenn giving a guy way too much power in that situation. I, I kind of miss him. And then I'll, I'll just weave in another statement here that I orig- originally had. The Gopher basketball team. Oh, yeah. If they don't win a road game, they can just pack it up forever. I got the same statement. Very, that's that's hilarious. Yes, like, like you're correct. If you can't win a road game at some point, you here, don't deserve to be in the tournament. Just go home. Yes. Penn State is a road game coming up, right? Nebraska, if they reschedule, which I think they have now for Saturday. So, yes, you are a thousand percent correct. And that loss, I, I don't care who played and who. Did not play. The loss on Saturday was embarrassing. Like you yeah, got 30. run out of your own building. Yep. So listen, I want I want to believe in go for basketball here, and they've looked amazing at the peak. Like Ohio State, and they got some wins on their resume that even some of the top fifteen teams in the country don't have. Yeah. Well, but that was embarrassing. Yeah. So, anyways, back to Declan. Uh yeah. Final statement. Not really sports related. More just you know my classic life related. Um, I need weekends to be longer. All right, like I, I want weekends to be longer. It's like Sunday night. Move to Europe. Right. Well, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to do that either. But but Going to sports talk radio over there. But uh, Sunday rolls around, and all of a sudden, like I, I'm unplugging. I was going to get to bed early. It was going to be a nice evening. I was going to get a nice full hours of sleep that I wanted. And then the Ryan Saunders news drops, and I love when breaking news drops because it's fun. Like and that's what we get paid to do. But the weekends go by too dang quick, man. Why We're, don't you put in a memo to the local teams? I will stop doing stop. things on Sunday nights. No you're Sunday to night news dumps, guys. Like I'm okay with Friday. You're, I'm going with Monday, no Sunday night news dumps. Can't do it. That's sports, man. I would much rather. I, sports I love Sunday night news dumps because I know that now we've got everything set for sure. the rest of the That's week. Exactly what the I'm The Friday saying. night news dump is the one that I don't want. Mm. Okay. Once we're sort of done yeah. and it's five, six o'clock <laughs> and I'm going to get a couple cocktails in me. Yeah. I don't want you burying. I don't want some coach getting fired. Sober, now it's like, sober the rest of, of the time, potentially Sunday nights. You're not drinking. You're probably right. No. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But yeah, I just want my weekends to be It's longer. our business, baby. I don't know how like we, and I don't know if that's like four days on, three days off. I don't know how we facilitate that. You want Mondays that. off? I would love, I always have you been. you want Friday um, or no, Saturday, I'd, Sunday, I'd, Monday? I'd always been a bigger fan of Mondays off versus Fridays off. I, I agree with that. Because I love Thursdays. Hot take, I think Thursday's the second best day of the week after what? Friday. Friday's the best day of the week, then Thursday. Really? Yes. I love Thursdays. I'm a big Thursday guy, too. Thursday's awesome. Thursday's like, great. You, you wake up the next day. We have our action movie I usually watch. Like, I got I a like great routine on Thursdays. Wednesdays. Oh, I hate Wednesdays. I like Wednesdays. Dex, really? w- let's have Dex uh, rank, rank, the days. R- rank the seven days real quick here. <laughs> what's your What's your power ranking of days of the week? Yeah, I would go Friday for sure, number one. I thought Thursday was number one. No, no, no. Friday's number one. Okay. Thursday's two. Friday's one. Yep. Thursday would then be two. Yep. I would say Saturday's three. Sunday is four. Yeah, I don't like Sundays. Sundays are like it, the scariest can hit you sometimes. I, I don't like Sundays. Um, but Not some, it, but they, they can be all right. I think it's because it, it kind of goes back to your how you felt going back to school. Yeah. Oh, right. oh yeah. Well, it's the same way you feel yep. when it's late August, early September. Get. Yeah. It, it here's hits what, I, here's what I don't get. Sunday fun day. 
Why do you call oh, a day like if I get trash? Like if I get trashed, I got to work on Monday. That's not fun. I'm foreboding that. Two Sundays ago, Saturday fun day. No, it's Valentine's it's Day. Does not rhyme, but it's fun. Valentine's Day. I tapped out. I was doing a Sunday fun day, and it was like four o'clock. And, and I was you, I, yeah, I, that's at the I'm point. Yes. I said, if I do one more, in, tomorrow's going to be awful. So yep. I went home, made a nice dinner. I got to bed early. It was fine. Good for you. But but Sunday fun day is a trap. It, it's a paradise. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd go Friday, so. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm with Judd. I would say Wednesday's next, then Tuesday, <laughs> then Monday. Second. Wow. No love for Monday. I, I can't stand Mondays. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. So for Monday. me, Friday's number one, Thursday's number two, Monday's number three. I love Monday. Oh. Bring Monday. Why? Wow. <laughs> what's your explanation? Let's just go. For why let's, you love die, let's, die, let's, attack, okay. let's attack the week. Yeah, okay. That's way too let's chipper a, for me. Let's attack it. Let's uh let's put on some eye black and talk some sports. Let's do some statements. That's true. Let's from recap a, a Vikings season, game. From would, a sports yeah. standpoint, it's I'll, a great I'll, day. I'll agree with you there. Let's get it. It's all about mindset, positivity. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thanks, Glenn. Ta- thanks, Glenn Taylor. I hope Monday's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then I would go. So I'm going Friday, Thursday, Monday, and then I'm probably going Saturday. I'm okay. I'm I'm cool with Sunday. Sunday's all about mindset too. You know, I I don't think. You, Drinking nine beers on a Sunday, that's Dangerous. not going to do it for me. But if I'm if I'm using Sunday as like a springboard into Monday, then I'm, you know. Bring- I think that's where the conflict I run in with Sundays is. It's like, I, it's like a diet Monday for me. Like it just, it's preparing yourself for the Monday. I like how you put that. that you're good. better off taking, so take some of the leisurely things that you might consider doing on a Sunday, like drinking or whatever, <laughs> yep. and, and space some of that out. On a Wednesday or a Thursday, okay. so that Sunday can be your prep for the weekday. Sure, you can go grocery shopping. Right. You can you can get you it, can just get yourself set up for a great week. It's funny you you're right in this sense. If you get hammered on a Sunday, the next day can be hell. Right? Oh, it's awful. But if I get but if I get sloshed on a Thursday. Yeah, but Friday's you, not bad because it's Friday. Right, you're you good. can survive. Yeah, you're good. You I'm like, survive. I got the weekend. Yeah, home right. stretch. A, a quality drinking night, Thursday night. Yeah. That's exactly right. I agree, man. Yep. In fact, I would argue that if, you, if you're getting sloshed oh, on a God. Sunday, you're probably feeling pretty terrible and worse than you normally would about a Monday or a Tuesday. Yeah. So your mindset about a Monday is yeah. directly impacted by your activities on a Sunday. That's very Look true. Look at us. Right. Ranking the days. So, hey, one more statement. Oh, okay. Just quickly. I would have paid money, and I'm not joking. I would have paid money to have Kevin Harlan call the Ant Edwards dunk on Friday night. Oh, man. How good would that call have been? Or Jim Ross. Jim Ross would have been great, My too. God! I just think, but I oh, just think night of wrestling last Harlan night. would have been great. Oh, that's right. We had, a, we had the Miz. The Miz won the WWE title. Cashing the money in the bank. Big, big, big night of wrestling. We need, I, that we, was great. We need sports money in the bank so bad. Yeah. And there it is. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady with his seventh. Wait a second. Da-da, Whose da-da, music is that? Da-da. Wait a second. It's Peyton Manning. <laughs> That's Peyton Manning. Oh, the Detroit Lions. Yeah. What are they doing here? <laughs> well, it's Jared Goff. Goff. <laughs> Jared Goff is back. He's, He's got Dan Campbell. shoulder pad. Dan Campbell. He's got Dan a hatchet. Oh, Dan. <laughs> oh, Dan Campbell would be so into that. Dan Campbell. Oh, my God. Amazing. All right. Wow. That's a, what a Monday. To wrap on this episode. See, it's a great Monday, Declan. Mackie and Judd. We will if you guys want to deliver your day of the week power rankings to us, hit us up in the comment section on our YouTube page. We have two of them. Uh Score North MN and Purple Daily Podcast. And speaking of Purple Daily, 
Listen, we've done all the speculating you can imagine on Kirk Cousins' trade scenarios, and people at, at some point people are just like, all right, you guys are just making stuff up for clicks. For clicks. Hashtag clicks. Well, a very prominent NFL insider must also be making stuff up for clicks. We'll leave it at that because that's what we're talking about on Purple Daily today. Thanks for hanging out with us. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.